This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Thanks for being with us this morning. Well, my next guest is involved with a project which is all about a study that explores the use of MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for people who are suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder and with debilitating treatment because of this. And Hayden Rubinson joins me on the line to talk a little bit more about this and to explain it much better than I am. Hayden, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me this morning. It's a privilege to be able to talk. Tell us about this, uh, because uh, as I said, you can explain it much better than I can. What exactly is this study looking at? Yeah, so, you know, PTSD is a really debilitating psychiatric illness that people uh, that people develop after exposure to traumatic events. And approximately 10% of Canadians are expected to suffer from it in their lifetime. And conventional therapies have been shown to only work for 50 to 75%. So what we really need is some kind of new treatment to offer to people that aren't getting the responses they need from available therapies. And MDMA was a medication used back in the 1980s before, it, unfortunately, it was made illegal. And so our study is using you know, modern methodologies to determine if it's going to be an effective therapy for people who have refractory disease that hasn't been treated. So we're actually using it in combination with a new type of very intensive therapy to determine how, how much it can help people and whether or not it's safe to use. And at this point then, do you have, you must have Health Canada approval, I would imagine, to be able to use this, to be able to, to do this kind of study? Of course, yeah. This is a Health Canada sanctioned study and we actually started to do a phase two study, which means we were looking mostly at it uh, for safety data. And we started to do that in Vancouver in 2014 and wrapped up that portion of the study just last year. So we were able to show in that study that it was safe to administer, as well as the fact that it was actually quite beneficial for people who took this medication in combination with therapy. And so does that show evidence, and like you said, for the, for the 25% or so that don't respond to the therapies that are currently being used? Did, did your study show that that 25% did uh, respond to this type of therapy? It sure did. And so we actually were one site out of five sites across the world. Um, and when they put all of the data together from all of these different sites, they showed that these patients in the, in the study who ha- were by definition treatment refractory, uh, by the end of the study, 67% of them no longer met criteria for a diagnosis of PTSD, which is, which is quite remarkable because these people previously had failed to respond to both medication therapies as well as talk therapies focused on trauma. Hmm. Uh, what about what are the concerns? Because like you said, this was something that was discontinued in the 80s uh, for, for a reason. So what are the concerns with bringing this back or using this type of therapy? You know, one of the things that we're having the most challenging time with is really explaining and getting the point across that this medication is not something to be used in isolation. This type of therapy isn't that the MDMA is given to people with PTSD and kind of left to figure out their own healing. It really is done in combination with a very intensive therapy regimen. And so what we're really concerned about is that the messages may get out that this is just for casual recreational use and that that would provide healing. Uh, And I think part of it is finding a way to safely regulate the, the medication once it's approved by Health Canada so that the therapy is conducted by trained people in the right settings. Because do we know exactly what the MDMA does in, in what makes it an effective treatment? 
Yeah, so there's lots of theories about that. And actually, quite similarly to some of the antidepressants that are used, it increases one of the neurotransmitters in the brain called serotonin. And what we're finding is that that decreases activity in a part of the brain that triggers fear. So when people with PTSD experience a lot of fear related to the traumatic experience, they're not really able to reprocess that thought and that memory in a therapeutic session. It, it appears that the MDMA decreases that fear response so that c- coupled with therapy, people can really start to reprocess their trauma experiences. You know, at the same time, we're co- we've been collecting lots of safety data in terms of looking at people's heart rate, blood pressure, temperature, and even some neurocognitive tests to see if there's any kind of cognitive impairment. And so far, nothing's borne out to be really uh, adverse or detrimental to the participants receiving the MDMA. Uh, do you find, uh, does it get a similar reception in that whenever we see trials or, or things such as prescribed heroin or drugs that are deemed bad that, that are part of a treatment, there, there seems to be pushback or people question why we're using them. Do you see or are you seeing any of that? So part of this may just be that the conferences I attend and the, and the talks that I give are generally uh, from audiences that are quite receptive. Um, my sense is that there hasn't been the same backlash, and, and I think part of that is because we've able to sh- been able to show some pretty robust data, and I think that there's been quite good indication that further data is needed. So I don't think there's been quite the statement that this is going to be a miracle drug that cures everybody. In fact, we're not even thinking that we're going to cure people so much as really just give them relief from their symptoms in a meaningful and sustained way. So personally, my experience hasn't been with all that much backlash. Where do you go now with the study or what stage are you at? Yeah, so as I said, we finished phase two last fall and phase two looks at giving the MDMA to patients with PTSD, but really just to collect safety data. So the next step is to really start to look at does this treatment work? So we've already received a signal that it does, but now we need to move on to the phase three study which is going to be a larger study conducted across 14 sites in the, uh, across the world. Uh, and we're going to be looking at a larger number of subjects and really just focusing now, now that we've established it's safe, to see how effective the treatment is. And so we're really hoping to start that up in the fall at our site in Vancouver. Hmm. Uh, where do you find the subjects? So, you know, we've been quite lucky with all of the patients out there who aren't getting the relief they need. There's been a lot of people following this work for quite some time. Our phones are ringing off the hook, but unfortunately, because we don't have a firm start date, we haven't been able to keep a wait list yet. But we're hoping to be able to, you know, recruit subjects that hear by word uh, or through their therapists or psychiatrists or family doctors, um, those, those, are the, those are the major places that we've been able to get patients from previously. And, and do you have to, I would imagine they have to, it's patients with PTSD, and is, is there a certain level or is there a certain threshold of, of the severity of the PTSD to be involved in the study? Yeah, indeed there is. So we actually use a tool called the CAPS score, which is just a psychometric measurement that's administered by psychologists, which really is used to rate the severity of PTSD And our studies are going to be looking at people who qualify with severe PTSD at this point in time. So it would really be for people who are who are very much affected by their illness. All right. Uh, Hayden, where can people go? Is there a website if people want to learn more about this or or see more about this? 
Absolutely. So uh, the parent organization that's really helping with all of this is MAPS. That's the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. And if, uh, if people are interested, they can go to maps.org, and that would take them to the U.S. website. But there is MAPS Canada. We've got an uh, affiliate organization here. And MAPS Canada has actually launched a uh, campaign in the last month to really raise awareness about this. And MAPS Canada has both a website and a Facebook group where people can get more information about uh, the study. All right. Well, Hayden, thank you so much for joining us and and talking about this uh, study this morning. I appreciate your time. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good day. You too. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.